Welcome to the Working Well Podcast. I'm Tim Boris, CEO of Fresh Wellness Group. This show explores the diverse aspects of workplace health and personal performance. On the Working Well Podcast, we dive into the foundations of what makes wellness work in workplaces around the world. We connect with corporate leaders, executives, and industry experts who are helping make life more awesome at work and home. Join us to learn workplace wellness best practices, personal performance tips, and access resources to jumpstart your personal and corporate programs. For over 17 years, certified speaking professional Michelle Cedarberg has captivated audiences across North America with her empowering and humorous messages about how to set worthwhile goals, get energized for success, and live a bigger life. An in-demand speaker, author, coach, and consultant, she believes that personal and professional success is directly influenced by how well we can harness the physical, mental, and emotional capacity we each have within us. She helps people boost that capacity so they gain clarity, build confidence, and get the discipline to create the life and career they want. She holds a master's in kinesiology, a BA in psychology, a specialization in health and exercise psychology, is a certified exercise physiologist, a certified professional co-active life coach, and an ORSC-trained team coach. She truly combines mind, body, and practicality to empower change. Michelle is the author of three books. Her new book, The Success Energy Equation, debuted as a bestseller in October 2020. Welcome, Michelle. It's so great to connect. I'm glad we, I get to see you. It's just like, I wish you could be in person right now. Soon. Yes, we'll I from- miss you too, Tim. We go back uh, such a long way that um, meeting in person is something we've done pre-COVID and sure would be nice to be doing this in person, but technology is on our side today. <laughs> Exactly. We'll have to get out for a distance mountain bike. How about that? I, I, I would have to work hard to keep up with you anyway. So then, <laughs> then we'll be distanced. I doubt that very much. Good to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you. And I, I got to say, it, you're, I've got a copy of Success Energy Equation right here. Awesome, awesome book. Even the signed copy for those of you out there who are going to be jealous. <laughs> What what I want to say is that I start off with before we dive in, what's the biggest silver lining for the last year from you? Obviously, you wrote a book, which is good, but what tell me yeah. a bit more about the last it's year? It's such a great question because you know I've spent the last week and a half, and I'm not even um, exaggerating when I say this, I've spent the last week and a half kind of moping around going, ah, I just want this to be over. And I had to stop and remind myself of all the good stuff. So, number one, yes, I did have unencumbered time to finish the book and get it edited with uh, a lot more focus than I would have if I was getting on a plane every other week. Um, And I also have had an opportunity to learn new ways to do this work that that we do as speakers and coaches to use technology to my advantage and to present in three different provinces and states in one day, you know, that kind of thing. So it's uh, and plus I get to hang out with my new puppy who I've had since last June, that would have been tougher if I was traveling as much as I normally do. Silver linings. Absolutely. And and I think that's particularly now when people can see a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not there yet. And the frustration level is just rising. And so to be able to step back and say, hey, what is the positive? What are we doing? And from a corporate level and and a personal level, that's really important. It really is. And I think that so many of us, you know, hit... 2021 with this hope that things are going to finally be moving towards better. And then 
vaccines were delayed and variants were, were racing upwards. And we all kind of sat there and went, oh, it's not yet. Like, when's the finish line going to come? And a lot of what I've been reminding myself and my clients about is rather than keep asking, when's the darn finish line going to get here? We need to ask ourselves, what do I need to do for my wellness to be able to keep going? You know, what do your what do corporations need to do for for their employees to help everybody keep going? And rather than you know waiting for you know when, wondering when it's all going to end. Yeah, well, I think in people's mindset at the end of 2020 was January 1st. Oh, it's going to be be all everything's going to be better. And right. there was this collective realization in January that whoa, wait a minute. This. Yeah, so I think we all had to breathe a collective sigh of, 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 of what's going on here and square our shoulders and, you know, decide what to do to keep to keep at it, to keep going. Awesome. Well, and so energy has been a big theme in the last couple books that you've written. Yeah. Tell me why, why energy is such an important topic, particularly right now. Well, I mean, you and I both come from the same, you know, background with kinesiology and health as our foundation for our businesses. And so you know it better than most. I mean, energy to me is the driver of success. And, you know, my success energy equation talks about, you know, setting clear and exciting goals, having belief in yourself about those goals and having the discipline to do the work. We could be successful if we only went on repeat on those three things. Set the goal, have the belief, do the work. Set the goal, have the belief, do the work. For your teams at work, for yourself individually, for your personal and professional goals. I added energy in as a driver for success because... This is the machine that drives the mission, if you will. And, you know, the physical body and our brilliant mind in it is responsible for every piece of productivity that we crank out every single day, every single idea, every single, um, you know, pro productive moment is a result of how we take care of the machine. So to me, you add the energy in physically, mentally, emotionally, cognitively, You'll set bigger goals. You'll have higher belief in your ability to crush those goals. You'll have more energy to dig in and do the work, especially when it gets hard. And all of those uh, factors for success get elevated because we've allowed energy to be the driver. I mean, makes sense to me, makes sense to you. And I wrote the book in that way to remind everybody why energy is so darn important. But it still blows my mind how many people forget that on a day-to-day -day basis and they just drive themselves into the ground they're doing the the belief the hard work the the goals and they're like why am i burning out yeah why am i getting sick and can't get out of bed for days why am i getting depressed because they're not taking care of the machine as you would say <laughs> that's well and so the interesting and well thing said. about that is is because our physical body is amazingly resilient and it'll put up with a, an awful lot of stress before it says, I'm done with this. So we get this false sense of security saying, I'm able to put my head down and work hard and work long hours and I'm fine. And we can do that for a long period of time. And then at some point the body says, hold on, productivity goes down. We're not as aware, we're not as focused um, and you know we're not doing our best work. Yeah, well, it becomes that negative spiral where you have to work harder and to get even the same amount, if not less results. And then because you work harder and longer, you get less uh, or more fatigued, less sleep. And it just becomes a spiral down. In my success energy equation, I call that counterintuitive to the power of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. And now <laughs> on that topic, I have to go in and say, 
there actually is an equation in your book. And mm -hmm. so people that are freaking out about math, can you recap the equation so they don't realize you don't need advanced calculus or anything like that? You don't to, need to do advanced it. calculus. In fact, I don't love math, but it's a, it's a, it's a qualitative equation, if you will. I say success equals setting clear and exciting goals, which are a function of having a belief in yourself regarding those goals and the discipline to do the freaking work all raised to the power of awesome by the energy within. So it's goals, belief, discipline, energy, all wrapped up in a simple but not easy equation that we need to, you know, exercise on repeat on the daily. Yeah, and, and people are technically already doing that equation each day. It's just the values they're plugging in aren't, they're, they're, they're raising the, the power of energy is a pretty low power right now. <laughs> so by raising that up, we can amplify the impact of that, that success. Well, yeah, you know, and it's an interesting, it's interesting you say that because um, you, like the energy piece is important. And you think about the last 14 months that most of us have been navigating the craziness that is the pandemic, that energy uh, has been tested. It has been stretched. And you know, just ask any, you know, parents, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Tim, you know, who have kids that are homes, you know, on, you know, doing their school at the kitchen table and trying to make sure that your parents are okay, wherever they are. And you haven't seen your friends. I see my dog park uh, walkers more than I see my best friend or, you know, my family. <laughs> so our, we've had to balance our energy. And at some point it's felt like I don't have enough extra to, you know, to throw it into the success energy equation, if you will. And, um, you know, we have to be aware of that as well and be a little kind and gentle to ourselves. But you no, know, I also think we need to take care of ourselves in small steps. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, in the intro to the book, you, you start off, and I love the, the title of the heading. It says, how we're working isn't working. And this has been true for decades, but this pand pandemic has just sort of brought out all the warts and the issues with work, productivity, corporate culture, and like thrust them into the spotlight. Speak a bit about uh, the how we're working isn't working and your take on that what yeah you, you know challenges I guess. yeah it's not enough um in this day and age to put your head down and do the work there's too many other things that are drawing on our energy to make it possible for us to do our best work without taking care of the physical body and the brilliant mind in it we um you know we are so distracted by technology um, you know, it's it's our portal to the outside world now nowadays. So, you know, our devices are connected to us. We always know where they are. We probably twitch if we don't. But because we are connected to the outside, we're trying to deal with our life here and we're trying to get good work done. We have to have moments of restoration throughout the day. We can't bombard the gray matter all day long with technology, with work and technology, with our devices and expect to do our, our best work. So. That's our challenge right now. I think that getting present, um, you know, getting off autopilot, getting focused, slowing down, um, you know, getting rid of the, you know, moving back to basics to get rid of the noise a little bit. I think that's where we need to spend a little of our time these days. We're overwhelmed technologically. <laughs> well, and that brings us to the, the next question in that sense. Is that the biggest challenge that companies facing, or do you think there's another challenge that's bigger? I mean, I think that's a pretty big challenge that companies are facing. Um, and it's not necessarily a mighty hill to, to have to 
to get over. It's I just think that that employers and and individuals in, in the workplace need to be aware of how much our technological dependence is impacting our energy. You know, before COVID, you know, when we we're all working in, in our office spaces, technology was present then as well, but not nearly to the degree it is now. If you think about last March when everybody pivoted to working from home and we all, you know, hastily threw together our home offices and re-familiarized ourselves with Zoom or Skype or MS Teams or, you know, you name it. Um, I don't know about you, but my head hurt for quite a while during that, that period of time. That learning curve, you know, had us, you know, just overwhelmed. And then we were disconnected from our families. So we're having Zoom meetings on weekends to say hi to grandma and, and you know, mom and dad or whoever, uh, Zoom cocktail parties. You know, our phones become our entry into uh, entertainment with, you know, social media and, and uh, you know, all the things that we're doing with our phones. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're staring into space wondering why we're so physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted. And a lot of that has to do with technology you know, the workplace is, is, is feeling the brunt of that, you know, with even small, small drops in productivity, but you know, that, that, that stands out over a lot, a lot of, um, you know, you have a bunch of different people who are having small drops in productivity. That's going to add up for your workforce. Sure. And what are some of the, I guess, the positive things and best practices you've seen with companies that you work with or the groups that you've worked with? How are they dealing with one, that? You know, one of the best um, one of the best ideas that I heard fairly early on. Well, there's two actually. One is is that you know prior to COVID, most of us had a a a, 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 a more easy entry into our workday. Let's just say because we had to commute to work. Um, if you're work if you're working from home now, it's get up from the kitchen table, walk to where your computer is. You know, hopefully you have a separate office. Sit down and get to work. So there's no real vault time. There's no real thought time. There's no um, opportunity to, for instance, do things for yourself. Um, you know, I have a colleague who would normally walk to work and that was her exercise. That was gone. You had another colleague that would listen to podcasts on the C train on their way to the office. That was gone. And so we show up, you know, without that commute. So some really uh, great idea was to, to, have employers schedule in for their employees commute time in the morning, 45 minutes where you're not allowed to, to check in you know, before, before, the, before your workday to exercise, to walk the dog, to read a book, to do whatever it is that you need to do to kind of transition into it. I thought that was a great idea. The second one is because um, initially we got into lockdown pretty quick. I know that a lot of people are working outside the office Again, but you know, with variants increasing and all of that kind of stuff, we're still working from home a lot. And by that very nature, the fact that we're working from home, most of us, our step count is down by the thousands simply because we're not conducting ourselves out there as much as we normally would. So second number second tip is to walk yourself to work every single day. Because that line between work and life is very blurred right now. Um, you know, when you get up from your breakfast table and you're planning on going to your desk, put your running shoes and a jacket on and walk around the block a couple times and then come in and use that as your transition to your work day. And then walk yourself home at the end of the day and use that as a transition. 
um, it's, they're, they're simple little uh, ideas, but I help. I think that that can help us kind of separate the work and life, and to you know give ourselves a little bit of focus time before we dive into you know do, doing the work. I love that. Yeah, the the home office commute. Yeah. Perfect. And the one of the challenges that I, I know I've seen with with our corporate clients and some of our private coaching clients is that people know what to do. They're just not doing it. Even their their office may give them time to do something like that, but they're not taking advantage of it. And there's yeah. this, this overwhelm or this, I'm just going to sit there and doom scroll because that's all I can manage right now. Can you yeah, uh, and provide some insight into that a little bit? You know, technology is 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 it's kind of a blessing and a curse for all this because while our, our telephones and our, te- or our, you know, our smartphones and our technology are a gateway to our family and to everything else. Um, it's, it's creating a sense of calm at some points, but it's also creating a lot of stress at some points because these devices are designed to hook our neural pathways in the same way that gambling and addiction does. And so, you know, when, when we're when we're feeling stress, we will often reach for that device for a little dopamine hit, um, which is kind of fascinating because when your brain taps into you know to fresh knowledge or you know or expects the reward, it 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 ex- it triggers a release of dopamine, and so then we get that oh I'm feeling better now. But then we if we keep on scrolling or if we open up a bad email or if we read some bad news, then we get a hit of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And so then we find some other way to calm ourselves with our devices. Doom scrolling causes cortisol. Oh, I'm just going to open up my Instagram and see how many likes I have. Ah, dopamine, right? Open up an email. Oh my gosh, I've got a deadline. Cortisol. And then we go and look for some other way to get that, that dopamine hit all day long. So we create this vicious cycle of dopamine, you know, dopamine driven ups and, and cortisol fed lows. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, it's taxing, and it's it's you know taking over our brain power bandwidth, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. And there's the what's that uh, new term that I heard recently? Revenge bedtime procrastination is uh, <laughs> is a new one where it's like you've been so rigid all day, and then you've got this. You get to the evening, and it's like I'm staying up late, and I'm just going to do absolutely nothing and f- scroll through my phone because ha, I'm taking control of my life right now. And meanwhile, you're actually causing more of an issue because then you're staying up late and more fatigued and you'll have to work harder the next day and it puts you into that negative spiral. But that ability to people just want to see some aspect of control in their life. And it's been fascinating. I see myself falling into it every once in a while. And I'm like, put it down. Exactly. Well, you know, and the devices aren't going away. I mean, they're, they're part of our, they're part of our lives. They're part of our world of work now, like never before. I mean, I can do a zoom meeting from my smartphone. You know, I can stream an entire movie on my smartphone. I can have a, a, you know, call, you know, across the world, you know, the things that I can do with this device work or otherwise has changed us. And, And I'm not suggesting for a second that any of us should get rid of the devices in many ways it simplified our lives. It's our connection to the outside world during COVID, but every single one of us knows when our productivity has been impacted by too much screen time, if you will. 
And, and that can be, you know, too much time in front of your computer or too much time doom scrolling, as you said. Our brains are massively energy hungry organs. And, you know, they only, you know, represent about two to 3% of our body's weight, but they'll suck upwards of 25 to 30% of our body's energy through sugar, its main fuel source. And so if we don't give our brains intermittent rest, you know, productivity goes down. We need to take breaks. And, um, you know, I think one of the best things that organizations can do is to make, make, you know, breaks mandatory at least, you know, three times a day. It's a powerful one, but it's overlooked. Yeah. And I can't think of how many people I talk to that are just meeting after meeting after meeting. And even the, the, our habit of ending meetings five to 10 minutes early doing 45 or 50 or even 55 minute meetings instead of 60 or 25 minute yeah. meetings instead of 30, that, that five minute break can give a, make a big difference. And realistically, we're going to get the same amount of work done in the, the, the shorter time Parkinson's 100%. law, right? hundred percent. Yep. But that I find there are so many people that are just back to back to back all day. They work through lunch. They sit at their desk through lunch. They don't even get sunshine on their face or their, their skin in the day. They, they don't leave. And I know as out, an outdoor person like me, it, like I automatically feel my energy level hit the floor if I haven't been outside and, and done something active. Yeah. I feel you on that one as well. And, you know, um, there's a little bit of a mindset in some organizations that says, if I'm not button seat, eyes, eyeballs to screen all day long, I'm not going to be getting the respect of my colleagues or doing the work that I know that I'm capable of. But we become productivity imposters, you know, when we don't listen to our body and the signs that our brain is giving us that I just need a break. And I think that the moment when we realize I'm tired, I'm distracted, I'm out of focus, that's when we need to be getting up from our desks and, and taking a break. And that's exactly when most of us don't, because we say, I've got too much to do. I can't get it all done. But you know, the moment where you think you need a break and you can't take one is exactly the moment when you should. Yeah. There's so much hard evidence around the improvements in productivity from just small physical activities away from a device, <laughs> like getting up, moving, taking that break, increase the blood flow, like the neural connectivity, uh, creativity improves, problem solving, all these different aspects. And yeah, as you said, there's still this mindset in a lot of companies that if you're not bum and seat, you're not productive. And even though we know better, we don't do better. Um, and that, that like, you know, for me, that like, that is the number one mistake that organizations make as far as I'm concerned. Um, they don't mandate that people take breaks. And as, a, as an organization or as an individual, like the number one thing, like if you do nothing else, take your damn break. Like that is the thing to me that I think is the game changer in any organization, but not just take your break, take the right kind of break. Yeah. Because as I said, you know, the brain is massively energy hungry and we have a limit on our screen time. And we, you know, we give a limit of screen time to our kids, but we don't give it to ourselves. So we'll spend all day in front of the computer and then I'm going to take a break. I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to scroll and I'm going to send a text to my friend and I'm going to check my Instagram. You move from one screen to this screen. That's not a break. 
and yeah. and you know so we need to take, to take our damn breaks number one and we need to take them tech free and with all of the other suggestions that you mentioned you know movement and fresh air and connecting with people that you like yeah absolutely and so that one of the things i hear from a lot of clients is motivation they're like oh i'm just not motivated to exercise i'm not motivated to get out and do something i just my body hurts i've been sitting all day and Talk to me a bit about uh, motivation. Yeah, in my in my book, I um, I wrote about what I created called the motivation matrix and the types of different motivations that we have in us. Why is there some tasks that we just get so excited about and we'll jump right in? Why are there some things that we're like, ah, I don't want to be there? And sometimes we're, you know, we're knocking it out of the park, and sometimes we're just sitting on our bus, butts, you know, languishing to use a term that's quite popular right now. Um, the motivation matrix in my book talks about measuring um, belief in yourself and the task against your discipline to do the thing. And the four different areas, the, the first one is the dreamer. And this is the somebody who has got, you know, high belief in themselves and the task, but low discipline to get that thing done. They're thinking about the thing that they want to do. Most of us are this person for something. It's the exercise I want to do. Oh, I'll get to it when. It's the, you know, website that I want to build or the, the course I want to take, you know, I'll get to it when. So the dreamer has that heart for the thing. The, the grinder is somebody who has low belief in themselves, but high discipline to do the work. And I call this one the honorable category. And if you think about all of the frontline workers, um, all of the essential workers during COVID, a lot of them put their, their health and their family's health at risk, you know, to be out there working. They didn't necessarily want to, they didn't necessarily believe that it was the right thing, but they had to, they had high discipline because they were, you know, taking care of the families or what have you. And sometimes that's the case. The seeker uh, is, I think all of us have this in us at some point too, low belief in ourselves or, and the task and low discipline to do the work. Those are the moments when we're kind of sitting and staring in the space going, I don't want to do anything. It was me last week, just languishing in this whole muddy middle of, oh my God, when this is going to be over, no motivation. And sometimes we're there and we got to recognize when we're there that we probably have to take care of our energy. We need to relook at our goals. Maybe they're the wrong goals. Um, we need to you know, just give ourselves a little bit of a reset, if you will. And the last category is the one that all of us probably, you know, uh, um, aspire to. And uh, so we've got the the dreamer, the grinder, the seeker, and I've forgotten what the fourth one is. You tell me what it is. That's the driver. Look, the driver. Thank you. Can you tell that I've been, you know, up in my head too much? So the <laughs> I was going, is it what? But the driver is high belief in self and task and high discipline to do the freaking work. And all of us are drivers for some aspect of our lives. Someone, you know, think about that. Your listeners can think about all the areas every single day where they're knocking out of the park. It could be taking care of the kids and, and making sure everything's great in the home front, getting to the job and, you know, doing what you can all day long. So the driver uh, is, is, you know, kind of, working hard and doing well um, with most of the things that they want to get to, but they might not, let's just put it this way. We all have those things where we're driving high on. And, and if you're, if there's something you want to be spending more time on, then you want to think about how do I get my belief high and my discipline high 
for that thing. And it usually means working on your energy, saying no to other things, prioritizing. We could, I could go on about that one now that I've remembered the name of it. <laughs> well, and, and I, I love that, uh, the motivation matrix, because while I'd never, until I read your book, I'd never actually heard it explained in that way. It's exactly what we talk to our clients about on the mindset and the habits. Yeah. It's, it's identical to that. And people like in the fitness industry, you've started your career in the fitness industry too. And you hear, I'm just not motivated to, to work out. And one of the examples I often use is everyone's motivated by something. You just might not mm -hmm. have found what you're motivated by yet. The example I use is if I gave you a million dollars for every workout that you did, would you miss one? And they're like, <laughs> hell no. And I said, well, you probably would about a year and a half in when you've got 500 million in the bank. And you're like, you know what? I'm taking a day off today. Screw it. Screw that million. <laughs> and I'm like, that would motivate you for a while. But I'm yet to find someone who's going to pay me a million dollars a workout. Um, that would be nice. It would be nice. But I'm like, the fact that you would be motivated by that and you would get every single workout done tells me that it's not lack of motivation. It's you haven't found what motivates you yet. So what's the emotion yeah. behind it? What's going to be your driver? And, and that's, that's awesome. I love, love to hear. Yeah. What's your motivation it. behind it? And you know, what, you know, what do you need to say no to? I think that, that, uh, you know, sometimes it's just prioritizing better and differently and being aware of how distractions get in the way and, how our energy feeds our desire to do the things. And that's why energy is such an important part of my mission, you know, with the success energy equation and the book I wrote before it, which is energy now, small steps to an energetic life. It's, it's just the piece that people, I don't want to say they overlook it because everybody knows what they need to be doing to take care of them, help them themselves, but they take it for granted and, and they put it off because they, they can get by without it. And I often say to people, if you're already doing pretty well without taking care of your health in the way that you really want to, imagine how great uh, your success is going to be once you do prioritize health as that driver for success. Yeah. And on the flip side of it, it's the, the boiling frog analogy, right? You, you don't realize how down that slope you're getting in terms of poor health and low energy until you really hit the bottom. And it's like, you're, you can't, ignore the health impacts and the health implications. Yeah. I've I remember um, presenting to a group of, uh, of um, construction workers of all things in Edmonton a bunch of years ago, and I was talking about stress. And I, I remember this grouchy old guy was sitting in the audience and he was just looking at me like this as I was explaining the, you know, the signs of stress and went through it all. And and I thought, well, I'm not going to reach that guy today. He's just grumpy the whole time. But at the end of the presentation, he came up to me. He goes, that's the best presentation I've heard. I'm stressed in a long time. I wish I had this information five years ago when I almost dropped dead from a massive heart attack. <laughs> it's one of those things, right? Um, you, we, we know better, but we don't do better until you hit that you know, critical moment. It's like, okay, I guess I should start paying attention to what my body needs. Absolutely. And uh in your book, you mentioned 21st and a quarter century stress. Tell me about yeah, that's that. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, 
you know, we, we like stress is inevitable for all of us. And we've got normal stress, which is stress with adequate recovery. We've got chronic stress, which is stress without adequate recovery, where we're not listening to our body and getting the sleep or the right food or the exercise that we need. But in this day and age, when we're so connected to technology, 21st and a quarter century stress to me is what I call a kind of a FOMO fed tech driven, pervasive, unrelenting stress that comes from all of the uh, information that we need to process from our technology, the 24 hour news cycle and doom scrolling and, um, you know, checking emails at all hours and checking in with our social channels and reading the news and not liking what we see and, and all of all day long, you know, the beeps and pings and things that come to us from this, we need to process it. So, you know, we're dealing with all of stuff that life is throwing at us. And at the same time, we're dealing with all the digital information that's coming at us. So our body's not getting a rest. And now our brain is definitely not getting the recovery that it needs to do its best work. And uh, that's what 21st and a quarter century stress is, a tech-fed, FOMO-driven uh, FOMO stress. Well, and, and the other types of stress don't go away either. So we have that layer no. on top. Yes. Well, when we recognize that stress is inevitable, but how we respond to it is the choice. That's where, where we have control. You know, yeah. with so much that we don't have control over right now, the things we can pay attention to is what is my body telling me that it needs? What is this, you know, I'm feeling stressed. You know, I need to do something. If, even if it's as simple as pressing yourself up against the wall and taking four or five deep breaths of air, you know, that is an instantaneous stress management tool that you can utilize at any moment and any day, as long as you listen to your body. And that's something that I think a lot of people forget on yeah. a day-to-day -day basis is that they have control over their responses. Mm -hmm. And how do you think that fits in with uh, people being on autopilot? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, a lot of us um, will zone through our day parts of it anyways on autopilot, even, you know, even before COVID and probably especially before COVID, you know, we're get, going out into the world and, and doing so many things that half of it, you know, good portion of it gets suppressed. We, we end up driving to work and not really paying attention. How the heck did I get here? I mean, we all of us have done that. Our morning routine is highly automated and, and, you know, on autopilot. You probably need to stop and think about what your morning routine is because, you know, it's, it's probably exactly the same every morning, but you need to think of what it is because you operate on autopilot. I mean, autopilot is an interesting one because it's our brain's way of helping us process all the information that's coming at us on any given day. But it's, you know, it's something we're, we're meant to kind of pop into every now and then just to help us manage a moment. It's not something that we're supposed to be, you know, it's not supposed to be our go-to operating system. We're not meant to be on autopilot all day long and then put our heads up at the end of the day and go, wow, like I, I didn't get anything done on any of the stuff that I needed to do. And now the day is over and I'm exhausted and what just happened, <laughs> but you know, we've kind of got a groundhog day existence now. So that is happening a little bit, but you know, there's the devil, there's the good and the bad sides of autopilot. Well, yeah, exactly. The, the positive habits that we have, if we can put those on autopilot where we do them every day, we can, create some positive outcomes, but a lot of people are in these counterproductive or I guess negative autopilot routines that they have, they don't even think about. And that's what they live their life by every day, not yeah. realizing that they can step out of those and create new habits 
mm-hmm. around around the various positive things that they want done. Yeah, and I, I think it comes comes down to a simple question that we need to ask ourselves every day. You know, what do I need for myself today to be successful? You know, um, a simple work hack that I do every day is I sit down at my desk and say, what are the one, two, three things that I need to accomplish today to help today be successful? And those little moments of just checking in with ourselves will immediately bring us off of autopilot because we have to get present to what's happening right here and ask ourselves, I'm not going to be putting out other people's fires. I'm not going to be reacting to other people's emergencies. I'm going to put priority on the things that I need for myself in my personal life and the things that I need to accomplish in my workspace. It's simple, but it's ridiculously powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my coaches says, win the day. And he's like, what do you need to win the day? Yeah. And it can be really simple. And it's going to be different for every person. And at the beginning, if you're trying to win your first day, <laughs> it's, I just need to get up out of bed at a certain time. That might be winning the day for you. Yeah. Maybe going to bed at a certain time. And, and the very a interesting thing is that we're so connected to our devices that, you know, a high percentage of people sleep with their phones plugged in beside their bed. And this is the first entry point into the day. You know, people connect with the outside world before they connect with themselves. And what ends up happening is you open up your email or you open up the news and the outside world has now hijacked your brain, your bandwidth, and you're thinking about what's out there instead of what you need for yourself in here. You know, I think that that if there's one thing that we could do every day uh, to help get get it off, get the day off on the right step, is to check in with ourselves before we check in with the world. Don't Absolutely. have your phone in your room. You know, that's part of a solid morning routine is being able to connect your brain, your body, your goals, your motivations, and then take on the day. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't take that much time, really. You know, just to do those things for yourself. And yet we are so connected to whether it's the dopamine hit or boredom or what have you. It's like, oh, let's see what's happening in the world. Um, Don't do it. (laughs) Well, and we've talked at various points about the the technological overwhelm and how you, you had mentioned, I love how you said it at the beginning that how do we manage our device usage when it's our lifeline to the outside world? And it's so true. We're we're working on zoom or teams or whatever platform we're using, but then, yeah, we connect with grandparents and friends and family over the same platforms on the, in the evenings and on the weekends, what let's, and we've talked about a few tips, but what are some tips that you could just summarize for us that can help us avoid that? Well, I liked what you said earlier that, you know, we have to remind ourselves that, Meetings don't have to be an hour. They can be shorter. Individuals don't have to be at all meetings. Um, uh, In terms of our device use, there's got to be times where we just leave it at home. You know, when you go for a walk with your family or if you're meeting somebody for coffee, even if it's a distance situation, Um, we need to listen to our bodies. You know, we need to listen to our brains when we're spending too much time on our devices. I don't know about you. I get anxious. It's like, oh, no, I'm spending too much time. I need to do something different. Set it aside. Um, I do tech free, um, you know, in the evenings after eight o'clock. I try not to be on my screen before bedtime because the blue light impacts quality of sleep. Um, You know, a Saturday afternoon tech free so you can kind of focus on fun stuff. Um, And and I'll say this from from a. From a clearing yourself from the device 
um, uh, overwhelm, I guess. There's, there's a couple of things that we can do and, and, and activity is one of them. Um, you know, mentioned mountain biking right at the beginning. And, you know, when I'm on my mountain bike, you know, racing down a piece of single track, I can't be holding my phone. I'm certainly not scrolling. I'm thinking about the trail ahead of me and I'm fully present. When I'm digging in the garden or when I'm, you know, elbows deep in, in making bread or, you know, my husband, when he's out back, you know, building something in the garage or hitting golf balls, the device isn't there. So making or baking or moving or activity um, helps us to get those times of freedom from screen time and freedom from that need to check in every moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there, there are ways that you can, I was going to say Strava, for example. So I have my phone with me mountain biking, but it's just for Strava and to take a odd picture when I get to a summit or something, but, but yeah, you're not on the phone all the time. Uh, Yeah, I'm exactly the same music all the times uh, I listen to audiobooks when I'm out for like a more commute ride or something like that. So there are, and I think that's uh, what the clubhouse now that's raging in popularity because it's audio only. And so people are taking that video screen time break. They can just listen to things. Some of yeah, that and still I... comes into technological overwhelm because you're, you're not actually connecting internally with your, with your body and your own thoughts. You're listening to other thoughts. But I do like the idea of limiting screen time for adults as well as kids, right? And, you know, we don't always want to just, you know, hey, I'm going to smile and, you know, a game. But I, I, what I will say is um, I love the idea that it's you're listening to, you know, audio or, ha- you know, listening to Clubhouse because it's audio only. You have to be present in a different way. Same thing, you know, if you can ta- text or send an email, why not pick up the phone? I mean, it's old school nowadays, but it's more of what we need right now because we've got so much technology inundating. Why not pick up the phone and be able to have that conversation? Because there's more warmth and connectedness that happens through a voice conversation than it ever will through text or email. Um, You know, I think that that's another quick little hack as well. Yeah. And when we're not in full lockdown mode, we can even go out and walk with friends and get together and distance gatherings and meet in person in real life. And that it's like, it's this novel thing now. And when things, I'm looking forward to that, Yeah, when things open up, I'm just looking forward to giving people a hug. Yeah. And you know, you take those kinds of things for granted. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do when I'm out in the world, you know, I, I said earlier that I spend more time with strangers in the dog park than I do with my best friend or my family. But, you know, when I, I went grocery shopping earlier today and, you know, when I'm out in the world, I try as much as I can to just make eye contact and smile with my eyes because there's a lot of people out there right now that are struggling, you know, mentally, emotionally that, you know, I don't want to be, you know, kind of glowering in my day, you know, having the frown as I head into my day. I want to hopefully spread a little bit of positive energy because kindness that I give, kindness that I get, kindness that I view around me helps release positive endorphins. And I think all of us can, you know, have benefit from that little reminder to be out in the world with positivity because uh, yeah, a lot of grumpy people out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're correct. It just, it, it takes a bit of practice to smile with your eyes. So you don't look like you're the creepy person staring at someone <laughs> over the mask, but yeah, uh, I've taken to just waving and like a, positive, like, Hey, how's it going? And I'll say hi to people as I'm walking by strangers on the street. And 
it's you can just see an instant change in their in their mood which is powerful i think we need yes. to do that more often until we get to the end of this darn thing and have our roaring 20s parties out in the in the world with people with it lots will, of hugs it will be coming you just have to look at some other places in the world right now and you see some of that going on and so we're well, we're we're getting there optimism well and i know we could continue chatting forever i feel like i haven't seen you in so long so before uh, in order for, for brevity let's uh we'll wrap it up a little bit uh, pretty quick here but i wanted to ask what do you feel is the the number one mistake that people make in their day or what's the number one if, to flip that into a more positive way what's the number one thing people can do in their work day to improve their positivity health happiness performance yeah wow um do you have another hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i think that the number one thing that all of us need to do is to pause long enough at at some point in every single day whether it's right at the beginning or on your lunch break to just check in to you know to like how am i doing to ask ourselves i mean i know it sounds kind of silly but we're so busy you know autopiloting and rushing through the day taking care of everyone else and everything else and there's a lot of stress because we're worried about our kids and we're worried about our parents and all that to just check in and ask ourselves, what do I need for myself right now to pause, to breathe, to slow down? You know, it, it is part of taking your break to check in with yourself. I think we need to do that a little more often. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your insight. Where, where can people find you? I see uh, uh, michellecederberg.com on your screen there. Yep. And people can also, you can check out the book at successenergybook.com. But if you go to michellecederberg.com, you'll find it there as well. And you'll find me on social media. And uh, and if you do, and you are on this podcast listening in, make sure you say hi. Awesome. I will post those links on the, the show page. And so people will have access to them there. Thank you again so much. Look forward to reconnecting in person soon. And I... Appreciate your time and uh, insight today. Thanks a lot, Tim. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Working Well podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your experiences and how you've applied tips from the show to your daily life. So please keep us posted on your progress. To stay up to date with new episode releases, make sure to subscribe to our mailing list by emailing podcast at freshgroup.ca and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And once again, I'm Tim Boris with Fresh Wellness Group. We'll see you on the next episode.